man, I don't. This this will be an interesting episode. I don't know we're going to talk about at the end part. I haven't even figured that out. We'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> we <clears throat> big boys of Boyle Street. Um, red leather, yellow leather. Are you just saying things now? Okay, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. I'm serious now. This is for real. <laughs> for the real ones. <laughs> I fucked up again. Um, anywho. <laughs> Ooh, gather. Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And uh, welcome to our second international cinema episode. And last week it was India, and today we're... Moving to an, a similar, you know, a nearby geographic region. We're moving to, to Egypt. And uh, we're going about a decade and some change later. Um, in our last episode, when we did India, we did uh, Mother India, which was 57. This week, for Egypt, we're bringing you a film from one of Egypt's most prolific directors, Yusuf Shaheen. Uh, we're bringing his film, The Land, from 1969. So we've moved 12 years later. Um, dear, how are you doing? How are you enjoying International Cinema Month so far? Um, I find that we, we've accidentally got ourselves in a theme, within a theme. Um, because both of these movies were, were just bummers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, so I didn't, I, I guess I didn't realize when I was planning it, I didn't realize, like, what exactly either, you know, I read both of the plots, but, like, I didn't think much of, I guess, this one in comparison to the other one. It was like, oh, just like a land dispute kind of, like, thing. I just kind of read it that way, you know. Oops. But, like, both of these are also very, very um agricultural. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, very, theme within a theme within a theme within a theme. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our, our next one is not at all. No, 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 no. Um, but what's interesting, I guess, here's what is interesting. So, you know, I picked the countries based on our listenership. Mm-hmm. Um, but I picked the films just kind of off of looking around at, like, what are considered icons of these cinematic traditions <laughs> i like it and um i picked next week's episode hot fuzz based on the flat on the fact that we got uh, clark to come back mm-hmm. so because i was originally planning on a film called gosford park gosford park that does sound very british mm-hmm it was written by Julian Fellows, um, who do, who does upstairs downstairs drama, uh, most famously Downton Abbey. So that was originally what I was planning on doing. What on earth is an upstairs downstairs drama? Um, it's it, the upstairs, the the rich people, the downstairs, the help. Oh. Mm. Noted. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Yeah, uh, I was going to do that. But anyway, I think it's funny that... Well, not funny, I guess, in the sense of, like, it's ha-ha funny, but I think that it is interesting that we went and we did both of these films that are about, like, someone getting out from under the thumb of British, you know, imperial <laughs> rule and, like, figuring out who they are and, and their formation and things like that. And then you we, we then have a, a story that's about essentially British authoritarian rule with hot fuzz. <laughs> Perfect. And it's, of course, you know, uh, England that, that's following both of these. And then we'll move on next to Japan um, after England. Yeah, it's going to be like a, like a, what is that thing called? Um, whiplash? We're going to have... Yeah, kind of. Because <laughs> um, also Hot Fuzz is like the, the youngest of all of these films. I also accidentally for all of the um, international films pick o- picked older films intentionally to go back to like the roots of these cinematic traditions because I felt like I wasn't familiar with them. And if... And if I'm not, then then others are. And then there's hot fuzz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oops, kind of out of theme, but it was glad to. It was it was good to have Clark on. We already recorded with him, actually. Um, no, the yeah. episode will drop next week. Very delightful, honestly. Wealth of information. Indeed. Um, but no, I, I uh, oh, I also do have a little bit of news. Um. I'm not sure when it'll happen, but in some capacity, we will be having Henry on sometime next month. Um, TBD. <laughs> Henry, if you if you hear that, uh, hello. Hi. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, that's pretty much all that I have kind of leading up for for this. Should I do, like, I guess some of the history lesson before or after we, we introduce the movie? Um, I guess might as well set the mood. Okay. So, um, Egypt for a very quick sort of modern context that I guess most people don't, you know, recognize or understand, you know, Egypt we think of it all the way going back to, like, pharaohs, I feel like, is, like, all that most Western audiences probably know is, mm. like, pharaohs. And then... <laughs> That's it? No, it's... And and we don't even really get into the context of, like, it and its relationship to, like, the early days of the Roman Empire and that kind of thing. And so... um, It's this weird little pocket that's very incomplete. Um, so for a really quick encapsulation of a lot of very complicated politics, essentially at one point, part of Egypt, um, or Egypt at large was, um, a sort of tributary state to the Ottoman Empire, which is sort of, you know, starting in modern Turkey and that region and moving outward to lots of places. Um, and it included Egypt, and during this time, Egypt and, um, Britain and France had this sort of economic relationship where, you know, there was a certain amount of dependency, um, financially on Britain and France, 
and it led to a lot of turbulence, and this nation wanted to reclaim Sudan, which had broken off, um, and they also were dealing with a revolt internally, and so Britain decided that it was a good time to come down and use this as an excuse to set up this sort of military protectorate, which lasted for, um, and this is in the late 1800s. Um, so this lasts until around 1911, I think it is, or so. And they finally sort of dissolve this protectorate, but then um, World War I breaks out. So the Ottoman Empire sides with the central forces, um, and Britain has this kind of protectorate still going thing with, um, and these relationships with Egypt. So they overthrow the guy who is considered like the, the head of this country, and they set up a, a sultan, if I'm not mistaken, of Egypt, and they kind of rework it into this new alternate thing. Um, and it stays under sort of British rule through various very complicated to explain forms uh, until essentially the 50s. Uh, I think it's like 1953 is essentially when like or no, it's 1956 when Egypt is essentially like free free completely of British occupation. And actually once they got the Brit the, the British out, they tried to declare a little bit of a war to come back in and reclaim control of certain things. Um but there wasn't enough international support for it and so it completely died in its tracks. But that's a very 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 quick summation of kind of modern Egyptian history for the context of what's leading up to our story. Uh, on top of that, the Egyptian film industry really sort of took off. There were films, the first silent film was made or shown in Egypt in like the, the late 1800s. Um, some film historians consider the first Egyptian film to be made in 1917 um, with a documentary. But the main sort of studio, the first big studio, was established in the 30s by an industrialist. And from there, there were some other groups that sort of got set up. Um, most of the productions came out of Cairo, and then eventually Alexandria. And in like 1940, there was a, a group that started to subtitle films to give them more of an international audience. Um... And things were going pretty well for them, and by the 50s, the Egyptian film industry was um, sort of the third largest of countries outside of the U.S. in, in film production. And so that's, that's a very—and the 60s also did very well for them. Uh, and that 30 studio system is also what led to Omar Sharif becoming uh, a famous— actor who eventually went on to star in western productions and so that's a very quick sort of encapsulation of a lot of very complicated history as best as i could do it i think you did great 
thank you. Um, so I guess without any further ado, uh, we'll jump into Yusuf Shaheen's The Land. The premise is a small peasant village's struggles against the careless inroads of the large local land owner. The Land shows why political oppression does not necessarily lead to a sense of solidarity among the disinherited. Wow. Uh, available to watch on Netflix. So it also stars uh, Mahmoud al Maleji, Nagwa Ibrahim, Ezat El Alali, uh, and Hamdi Ahmed. And um, I kind of already let off, I guess, quite a bit. The, the listeners have heard me ramble at them for a pretty protracted period of time do you want to start or do you want me to start i mean i really don't know i'm i'm uh this movie was so dense yeah that's fair this movie was a it was a densely packed two hours and and i don't even know how many minutes 210 210 okay lovely two hours and in 10 minutes um i don't know how to feel about this movie um Because, like, we start out, and we're, like, following this this kid for a while until he leads us to, um, I'm going to call her the sheriff's daughter. Oh, um, Wasif. Yes, Wasif. Um, and then we follow her for a while, and then we do all these, like, weird, like, look at this person's life. Wasifa, excuse Was, me. Wasifa, um, and then we we kind of throw all that away in like the third act of the movie when we start really dealing with the with the the conflict of. Oh this no, land that kid stuff. doesn't even make the third act. Like no, that kid, no, like, that kid drops gone. off. Like the so. Uh, this, this movie's very very confusing. It opens for me. with this. It opens with this shot of. Um, the hands of this farmer as he tends to his cotton. And then we follow this political figure who is coming out to visit him. And um, as he, he's rich and he has this, you know, son, he's from the city and he's coming out to the rural community. Yes. Uh, which is, or it's peasant farmers. The whole group, it, the whole community is, is is a peasant farming community, and uh, he comes out, and along the way, he essentially kind of sets up exactly what all of this movie is about through the eyes of like this little kid. So it's almost this kind of like cold open thing where it's like here, here's all of the themes that you're gonna kind of deal with on a certain level leading up to you know the movie but the problem to your point is in this weird pacing choice that you know i can't really explain or defend in any particular way um they have the kid continue on and they set him up with this this past relationship with this woman um who you're not really sure how old she's supposed to be exactly in the movie 
Um, so it does start out like with this weird kind of rocky start. And honestly, like the first, I'd, I'll, I'm going to be completely honest. I think the first 45 for me were a little bit rough. Um, and it was after that that I think that I liked the movie more. Is for that, the most part. Is that when we finally got into, the, like, the, the land dispute as, like, the, the serious focus bit? Yeah, I would say so. Once we kind of got past some of the, the early character and, and, and set up stuff. Okay. Um, I felt like this movie was really fast and really slow all at the same time. You know, like, they were speaking all at once so quickly. I had to constantly read subtitles like a mad woman. And then yet, like, the plot would just, like, stagnate. No, that's fair. And in a way, it was it was a little maddening. Um... What did I what did I equate this this movie to? It's it's like Les Mis. Mm-hmm. It's just like watching a whole bunch of like vignettes of like people doing people stuff for a little bit, and then you start getting into like war, basically, and that's kind of like what this is. You know, they have their their own war of sorts. Um, and I guess like um the only the only part that I thought was like really visually interesting was was this one point where um person came to to rich man and uh it was um it was Mahmoud Bey that was the the guy being visited um and he was being visited by but he was right. being visited by Effendi's um, uncle, who I think's name was Masuda. Okay, so so person Bay. Uh huh. The rich guy Mahmud Bay is being visited by um, Effendi's uncle. Yes, thank you. Um, and they do this like really interesting visual take on this kind of like repetitiveness of like uh this feeling that he's been here several times because they'll start out with which with um with rich man doing rich things um they'll like pick a he'll he'll be oh gosh now now they're all escaping me um can you help me out yeah so um he essentially comes in and, and starts talking about all of these, like, issues that he has, and Mahmoud Bey, like, starts to continue on explaining all of the reasons why all of this guy's fears are completely illogical, and all of his complaints are, you know, they don't make any sense, and as he's doing it, he's, like, overlooking the construction on his mansion and then he's sitting for his portrait and then he's hopping down off of his like thoroughbred horse and he's uh Mahmoud Bey is um an Egyptian man but out of everyone that's in this area he's the only one that lives in a mansion a and b um he very much dresses in like a western European way but um to your point yeah it's this very modern moment 
where we're constantly cutting in the conversation as though time isn't passing between their conversation, but he keeps on switching to these more and more ridiculous, you know, kind of rich people things that he's having this discussion where he's downplaying all of the needs of the poor. It's a it's a very like the original Instagram thing where like people would like, you know, switch into different outfits on command kind of thing. But it was just like with every cut back to him, you know, he would he would be in a different circumstance of of wealth and, and richness, you know, um, which I really I think I thought it was like really cool. And like for a second, I thought I was going crazy. I was like, what's what's going on here? Um, because there's no warning, honestly, and none of the none of the rest of the movie is like this at all no it's a pretty it's it's legitimately a very modern moment and and i I kind of wish that i guess i had more of those those instances where it 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 felt um you know i guess standing out of, of some kind i had a hard time in this movie keeping keeping people in check, keeping storylines in check, and then the moment the movie told me to throw all of that away and just focus on the land dispute, I, I eventually just kind of gave up, you know? I don't... <laughs> ah! <laughs> I, think, I think I preferred, at this point, I think I preferred all of the, like, um... off mood singing in in mother mother india more than than this movie because at least they were fun well i'm not sure it's off mood but no i i guess um as in a western mindset the the tempos and the lyrics felt very upbeat and happy while people were literally like dying no and yeah so that's what i mean i guess when i was when i mean like off mood that's, that's the best word that I could think of. Um, <laughs> well, anywho, I I feel like at this point I, I I liked that because at least it like kept me going through the story where like this story was just as depressing without any of the like happy times once it started to get sad. It um it's it's kind of I guess like Romeo and Juliet in that sense. Like the first act is a comedy and the the second act is not. Yeah. Um I I think that it's an interesting movie. It's much like Mother India, you, the this whole thing is about what it sort of takes to shake off the the things that are oppressing you on a certain level, right? Um and in in the sense of like Mother India, what you do is you sort of, you know, persevere. Here, you know, what you do is... What the movie ultimately tells you is the right thing to do is unity in the face of the thing that is oppressing you. But the problem is... People, because of different reasons, because of self-interest, because of religious reasons, because of their education, because of this, that, and the other, because of moral weakness... Um, don't become unified until it's ultimately too late. And, and so what ends up happening, you know, spoiler alert, is that 
the old man whose whose farm it is that you see getting tended at the beginning is then drug away to his death mm-hmm. and he's seen you know holding on to his crop that he was planting at the beginning of the movie as he's drug away and you know i think les mis is probably a really good equivocation to this story you know it is this very dense brick of a movie that has a lot of characters and a lot going on and a lot of dynamics and a lot of of history and and subtext um that's very very deep and and big to jump into um and honestly to your point though to be completely fair also it's it does have some pacing and editorial issues even i think by an older movie standard in terms of yeah the the first like act is a little bit unsteady on whose perspective we're settling on because we don't really come back to our main woman's perspective until the third act again and when we do first see her in that early act she you know a little bit of a content warning for you know like weird interaction with a child um she is like appearing to be this i'll say 18 or older year old woman who like maybe makes out with sort of almost forcibly at the start um like with a kid it's a little weird it is not and and you just watch it and you feel a little, little odd when you see it um and so I'll I'll definitely be frank, like, the first act is probably, like, the roughest part of the movie, and I think that it does better from there once we do kind of get into it. But it is, it is, I think, I think Les Mis is honestly, like, the perfect equivocation for, like, a Western experience, you know, that, that title translates, Les Miserables, it translates to The Miserables. And this story is essentially about, similarly, right, revolution in the face of the rich having so much and the poor having so little and in the the hurdles that people face because at the end of lame is they try to stage a revolution and people are like "Mm, i'm not sure i'm really interested and they all die but then after their death is kind of one of the things that leads to reform and revolution later and and much like this it has that same kind of bleakness that same kind of perpetuated and they talk about it being this cycle of of trying to throw off their oppressor and and how it takes sacrifice and how yeah they've been to jail before you know and i think that it's a it's a very it's a heavy and very dense 2 hour 10 minute movie that's the other thing like it in some ways did feel as long as Mother India, and and Mother India has forty some odd minutes on. On the land, um, I will say this for the land, everything was in subtitles, including songs, and yes. I will give it that. Yes, the the random like two songs or something that this movie had in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Honestly, there was so much that happened in this movie that I literally forgot about that chick getting murdered. Yeah, uh, and and that's the other thing. Like, this movie is drippingly political as well. Like, it does not even remotely hide how it feels about political ideals. It has the main religious figure of the town be a puppet of 
industry and ostensibly the British Empire, right? They make this, the book is set in the 30s. The book was released in the 50s, it was set in the 30s, the movie came out in 69. And... Bingo! (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, it's set in the thick of imperial rule, and, um... It's very obvious that, like, the higher up you get in power, the more Western it gets, right? Uh, Mahmoud Bey is um, very Western-looking. He lives in this very Western mansion. He wants to build a road. He's literally like an an Old West uh, industrial villain who wants to build a railroad. Like, um, it's the same kind of cultural concept on a certain level. And then you have, um, you know, this group of local police come in for a little while, but the local police ultimately feel for the plight of these people and they leave. But then when this, like the, the sheriff and his city police come in, they are very Western looking. If I'm not mistaken, the sheriff comes in on a horse instead of a camel, um, which the local police came in on camels. And, um... They very pointedly throw all of the politics right up up front and center, just like Mother India does with a lot of its themes and ideas. Um, And I I, I did find that all very interesting, but you are right, it is very... It's it's a dense and and sometimes long, arduous sort of journey, kind of like Les Mis can sometimes be. Certain adaptations of Les Mis are not as good as others. Most... Most adaptations of Lemas are not as good as others. Um, but no, I, I, I think that that's kind of... I definitely think that it's an imperfect movie. I think that I have enjoyed what I have learned and 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 that kind of thing more than the movie experience itself. I think that, honestly, like if, if modern Egypt wanted to try and like remake this thing... I'd be curious as hell. Yeah, honestly, um, no, I'd agree with that. I and I'm not into remake culture. You guys know that if you <laughs> listen to the show. Uh, no, um, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I I really wanted to to like this movie more. I think. Um, I liked learning all of the history i like i like what this movie has to say i just i guess i don't really like the the package as much you know i felt like i could have really gotten rid of a lot of stuff and and kind of like focused in on the the main themes of this movie i felt like there was a lot of um distracting plot points that never got really concluded or um you know lasted more than five minutes in Mm -hmm. some cases and it just, it had a lot of filler in it where I could have, I didn't need it. And I think that, um, I think that, yeah, with a, with, with more, I, I think that I could have edited this movie down. No, I get that. Um, I will say this, uh, Yusuf Shaheen, the director is internationally known and he has many films that are internationally known. Uh, and if you go on IMDb, what I was going to say is particularly interesting is even though 
both this and Mother India, for me, kind of on a certain level almost have this kind of thing of, like, they feel more revered by a certain generation, but both have seemed a little bit more sort of left by the wayside on some level. Um, and so this is not one of his most known films. You know, like, IMDb will do, like, the most known mm-hmm. film for a director, and this is not in his, like, four most notable works. That's so weird, because you were reading um, um your Ear Handy Dandy textbook earlier, and this was, like, the the movie that yeah, was... Yeah, this was one of the one of the several films. He had, like, I think eight or nine listed for this director. Weird, yeah. <laughs> but it's not, it's not IMDb-worthy. I guess, again, I think that... Because I think that those metrics are kind of judged off of user interaction. Oh, okay. And so I think that it's interesting that, you know, potentially for a more modern generation that's IMDb using, this is not one of his more... Well, I mean, honestly, I can I can think of a few movies that um we were forced to watch growing up that that hopefully will will die off at the wayside soon. Gone with the wind. <laughs> yeah, did, I'm sorry. Did did someone say Gone with the wind? Oh no, it was the wind. Oh. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was thinking like the Wizard of Oz. I could, I could oh. be gone with it tomorrow, and and I'd be fine. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I liked this movie. I think that I probably again. I think that I'll revisit Mother India before I watch this again. Yeah, I. I but think I think that, that I probably fair. will watch this again in my time. Um, I'm curious to watch others of his of his. Um. Yeah, I could. I could get into it. Of watching his... other use of Shaheen films. Yeah, yeah, because like I wanna I wanna know what the other ones are now, you know. I wanna know what the what the users are 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 watching. Yeah. Um No, I think that that's all fair. So out of five, what would you what would you give this film? Oh god. Um I'm going to give this movie a two. I'm going to give it a two. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'll go three. And I'll, I'll go, I'll go three. I'll go three and a half. Okay. <laughs> cool. I liked it. I I really didn't. <laughs> That's fair. Um, Moving on. Um, our recently watched list, honestly, um, the only thing that isn't something that we're reviewing that we're that we've watched recently was Free Guy, and um, it was awful. Oh wow, yeah. Um, it's just not really my thing. It's it's a poor man's Lego movie. Um, it's a poor man's Deadpool narration. Um, it's a pretty insincere Ryan Reynolds performance. I really wouldn't recommend it. It's a poor man's Ready Player One. And yeah. that, I feel like that's saying enough right there. It's a, it's a little bit Westworld. It's a little bit Lego Movie. It's a little bit Ready Player One. And it's doing none of those It's a little bit country. And it's a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> um, nice. sorry. Um, no, I, I agree with that. I think that, I think that Ryan Reynolds is, is doing what he usually does, which is this weird, like, I don't know how to be a nice guy. Wink and a nudge, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, so it's like a weird, like, 
you know, the audience knows that he's he usually plays bad guys that are like usually so good on the inside, but this is off of that, and he doesn't really know how to do that, honestly. So he the just only, does this. The time where he seems the most sincere is the moment where he's disillusioned and throwing honestly like a little bit of a fit and being like, "Fuck you," and and fuck this whole thing. And no, I think that he's giving me like the. Like a like a really shoddy Jim Carrey impersonation. Oh yeah, it's a little bit Truman Show as well. Yeah, and it's missing all of the sincerity. It's missing all of that like true heart that um, gosh, I did I didn't really want to go down this rabbit hole, but that's okay because I will. Um, <laughs> I think that this I think that he's missing all of that that true honesty that like. He needs to be a likable, nice person. Like, he needs to be nice at his core, kind of like Kenneth from um, 30 Rock. Just, like, a mm-hmm. truly, genuinely nice person. And I just do not think that Ryan Reynolds has 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 that left. I don't know what happened. I think all of the sarcasm drew it right on out of him. But he literally, he can't do it. And I, and I, and I hated that movie. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So yeah, beyond that, we've been continuing in the Harry Potter franchise. We watched Goblet of Fire. Um, I think, I think Mike Newell, the director, and that movie get a bad rap. I think that Mike Newell did the best with the script he had. And if you want to go and blame Goblet of Fire on anyone, I recommend that you go and watch the sit down round or the sit down discussion of Steve Cloves. Uh, longtime screenwriter of the franchise and J.K. Rowling that comes with the ultimate edition of the of the films, where he openly says that he told the studio that he could do Goblet of Fire in one movie, and so I think that Mike Newell in that movie get a really bad rap because I think Mike Newell took a script that gutted a book and did the best that he could, and I think that it's way better than than people give it credit for. It's hardly the worst of the franchise. Oh, no, 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 no. We all know which one that one is. Six. <laughs> Where everything is brown. <laughs> Poo-poo brown. Oh, my gosh. I love you. You're funny. Um, <laughs> gosh, no, um, yeah. I mean, speaking of people who are actually, like, good at acting, you know, Cedric Diggory's dad. At oh, the end? He, he he sells that scene. Oh, so good. Mm, that is a father me in and, hurt. Me and Nick used to joke that, um, a, a bleak joke, I suppose. Me and Nick used to joke that, that they actually, like, murdered, like, his family pet or something, like, right off screen in front of him. Like, one of his actual family members was at gunpoint, like, oh, right God. off screen. And he was like, come on, do it! <laughs> Just sounds like a, like a Meisner exercise, honestly, mm-hmm. where you're like, you gotta, you gotta go in the, and, and imagine something horrible is going on. And if you do not do this task, you know, something horrible is gonna happen to your mom. Yeah. You know, all of these imaginary circumstances... <laughs> to to get you there as an actor to get you motivated yeah that's right no <laughs> that's um, a horrible <laughs> yeah so well, we were a little we were a little bleak i guess in in college um you know yeah that's fine that's fine but that's about it that that we've been watching lately i've been playing a lot of jurassic world evolution 2 which is um the campaign is is just a four-hour tutorial mode, and then you start playing Chaos Theory, and you get the real game, and the real game hit hard. And mm. um, you're way busier than in the last one for the for anyone who has played it. By the way, to explain, the Jurassic World Evolution games are a park sim 
or or management sim a la zoo tycoon or roller coaster tycoon but with jurassic park and um and so i've been playing a fair bit of that um it's good i like it um it's it's a tough nut to crack um but i've been i've been enjoying it uh you know it has different energies and ebbs and flows but on a certain level it also does play the same as the first one um but i'm liking it it's a it's a fun experience it's getting better the further i go with it it is not for like backseat gaming and watching like it is all about the doing of tasks not the watching of tasks be done no yeah i'm i'm so sorry this game is so boring to sit and watch (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry no no it's fine i mean it's not your fault like i think that you're doing a really good job managing and i think you know you have like such a such an eye for detail and you have a lot of fun you know making making the park look a certain way and i think that that's great i think that um watching you pick through paint colors is 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 boring as it sounds (laughs) yeah that's fair um beyond that uh there there's been some disney news you know the new kenobi show um is going to have another darth vader fight which is just some more fan service crap um which i'm not interested in so now i know just to avoid the show completely (laughs) um they're i'm pretty pumped they're doing uh, a whole bunch of like releases on the 12th including a new season of uh the world according to jeff goldblum Mm, excitement which I'm very, 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 very pumped for. I love Jeff Goldblum. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. So, um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the stuff that they're releasing, but there hasn't really been anything announced that has also, like, truly gotten me, like, pumped. Um pretty tame disney plus day or disney day or whatever the hell this time is called for them corporate schlock um Zing. beyond that i really don't uh, i guess have terribly much for for the viewers today um if you haven't already of course check out last week's episode uh dear do you have anything that you would like to to leave our listeners with um I don't know. Go watch a movie. Any kind of movie. Watch something that you've never seen before. Watch something that um, is outside of your bubble. Um, watch something familiar. Just just go watch something. I think that, uh, you know, movies are movies are interesting little little windows into into societies, into mindsets, into other worlds and they should be celebrated so so go watch something no that's fair um i've really enjoyed this as i said in the last episode i've really enjoyed this dive into cinematic traditions and other cultures um and other histories it it does i think for me really solidify and and show the universality of certain human experiences um and the ripple effect of history and how how even when things were less connected than they are now there are still echoes of similar things happening 
across the world at the same time. And and I really enjoy that kind of um I don't know, almost that sort of humble humble thought of of how alike we all are in our own ways and and the struggles that we all face. Um yeah, if we weren't so pig-headed, you know, we might actually get along. Uh, I was about to say, but maybe that speaks more to the totalitarian grip of, of a heteronormative patriarchal capitalist society, but who knows. Whew, wow, <laughs> man, leaving them with a, with a deep, dark thought. You're welcome. Mm, so sorry. Go and watch something, kids. <laughs> um... Watch something and let's, happy. Let's paint a happy little tree. Yeah, um, watch that. You know. Yeah, Bob um, Ross is great. But I think that that's pretty much all that we have. Um, go back and watch last week. Uh, go go and get ready for next week, which is Clark Collis. If you are in our UK viewership, um, I think out now or coming out soon is his book. You've got red on you, and you can go and pick that up and. Maybe give it a peruse before the episode drops, um, or shortly thereafter. So definitely tune in for that. And then afterwards, we're going to have our uh, Japan episode, and we're going to have Madeline on, and we're going yes. to talk actually about two films in that episode, um, partially because she bought us a movie. And, <laughs> um, and so like we definitely have to, I think, at this point. Um, so yeah, I think that it's going to be a good time. Um be sure to keep watching. Be sure to keep listening or watching. Ha ha ha. Be sure to keep listening. Um, and follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Um, tell people about us, you know, whenever ever people ask for, for a podcast suggestion. Um, give us a review. And uh, y'all have a good weekend. And uh, actually, I, I, I found something positive to leave you with. Find something to be thankful for. We are coming up on Thanksgiving, uh, so why not go ahead and and start thinking of the things that you're thankful for? Yeah, you know, I think that that's lovely. Thank you. And if you have any listener questions, you know, make sure to, to send those, because, like, you know, you guys have been really slacking on your homework. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's all that we have time for today. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you guys go have a have a good weekend a good week whatever time period it is that you're listening to have a good life i guess yes we'll we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week bye, bye.